free smoke, free smoke, ayy. Free smoke, free smoke, ayy. Free smoke, free smoke, ayy. Don Rose toes, hitting hills where I pose. I start my day slow. Silk pajamas when I wake, though. Mirror Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. We are in prime time again for tonight's Thursday night show, and we appreciate everybody that will be watching and listening to this one tonight it is our last episode of the weekend but fear not because it's going to be another great episode we have an even better lineup coming up next week when we are in mobile alabama for the senior ball which we'll talk about that a little bit later because tonight we're going to talk a little bit more about free agency as it pertains to the tampa bay buccaneers I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is my fellow colleague at Peter Report, Josh Capo. We will also have Adam Slavon on in a little bit. He will be joining us. But for now, we got Josh Capo on the show. Josh, thank you for joining me. And how are you doing this evening? Having a wonderful day, Matt. How about yourself? I am doing well. Gasparella is right around the corner. I'm pretty excited about that. My best friend's flying into town tomorrow. So excited to see him. And uh, as Richard also says, happy Super Bowl 37. This is the 20-year anniversary of when the Bucks won their first Super Bowl in franchise history when they defeated the Raiders 48-21. to There was an abundance of pick sixes and touchdowns by multiple Bucks players. And maybe a future offensive coordinator of the Buccaneers had two touchdowns in that game. So, Josh, I'll start with you. You grew up in the Tampa Bay area. You grew up a Bucs fan. Where were you when the Bucs won the Super Bowl 20 years ago tonight? I was watching at my grandmother's house. So we had a big watch party for the whole family. And, um, yeah, it was a really good time. We, we very much enjoyed it. Obviously, uh, it got, you know. It, it, it there weren't many tense moments, I would say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the game, it was just it was a lot of smiles for the entire one. You had mentioned real quick um, a potential offensive coordinator on that staff. I will say that somebody um, on that team also may have a child who could be a fit for the Bucks that we'll get to see at the Senior Bowl next week. Yes, yes. Yeah, we can get into that. We can get into that article as well that you put up on pewterreport.com earlier today. If there's anything that the Bucs do right, it's it's winning Super Bowls convincingly. Like, both years that they won, no stress at all whatsoever. And uh, another thing that's pretty stress-free is when we have Adam Slavon on the show. Adam, thank you for joining us, man. How are you? I'm doing well. How are both of you guys doing? Adam, where were you when the Bucks won their first Super Bowl? <laughs> Man, I was one year old. <laughs> okay, where were you when the Bucks won in 2020? Or 2021, uh, I in, technically. I, I was down in Tampa. Um, I, can't, I, I remember watching it with family. Didn't, didn't do anything too crazy, but... Fair enough, fair enough. I just, yeah, it's... It's funny where we all were in our lives uh, at that time. I was still in elementary school. And funny enough, I was on a flag football team that year, and we were the Raiders, and we won our championship that year. So you would have thought going into the game, just an unbiased fan, you know, growing up in New York, watching it there, that I would have rooted for the Raiders given my flag football allegiance. But no, I was rooting for the Bucks in that game. And then lo and behold, years later, I went to school in Tampa, and now I cover the Bucks for pewterreport.com. So not exactly your fairy tale story by any means, but <laughs> just a little fun fact for everybody on this Thursday night. So we got a lot of Bucks free agency discussions to get into. We saw earlier in the in the week, Scott and I gave our opinions uh, specifically on Levante David and some of the bigger names, Jamel Dean, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, Mike Edwards, guys like that. Uh, but there was a lot of names that we either didn't get to or we kind of rushed through because we were getting towards the end of the show. And I want each player to really get their due diligence. And, you know, there was a report earlier last week. might have been Dove Kleinman because he's on top of everything. And it was about that the Bucs are expected to not bring back some of the, the veteran guys that were on the team this season. A lot of one-year prove-it deals. I think most notably, maybe this one wasn't a prove-it deal because he has – 
you know, longstanding stature in this league. But Julio Jones obviously was was the big name that I believe was on that list. Logan Ryan was another one, veteran player, been on the team for a long time. Um, so, Josh, I'll start with you. Just your overall thoughts of this, for lack of a better term, aging veteran group of free agents that will play for the Bucks this season might not be here next year when they play. Would you bring back someone like Julio Jones? What about Logan Ryan? Just your overall viewpoint of the Bucks uh, as they they track tread mm-hmm. into waters that they aren't very familiar with in recent years. Yeah. So the Bucks had the uh, the fourth oldest roster if you go by um, using mean or average in the NFL. They average uh, the average age was twenty seven years, four months, um, somewhere around there. And it makes sense that they would move on from some of these veterans, right? Um, many of these guys had some type of injury history coming in, and the Bucks took a chance that they could potentially help mitigate that this year by limiting stat- snaps, and it just didn't work. Julio Jones was injured throughout much of the year. Akeem Hicks was injured throughout much of the year. Logan Ryan, who didn't have much of an injury history, ended up injured throughout the year. And uh, I think that it, it makes sense for there to be some roster turnover, especially given the underperformance of the team and that many of these players who will be one year older and most likely a little bit more injury prone um, would not return. I think that the Bucks do need to get younger, faster, more athletic. And so it makes sense that many of these guys don't go out of all of those names. Cause I think Dove had four. Um, it was Hicks, Jones, um, Keanu Neal and Logan Ryan. I think out of the four, the one that I would probably want to keep just because you could see a market improvement in the communication of that group would be Logan Ryan. I wouldn't mind him coming back, being that third safety um, on the team who can come in for special packages and just <clears throat> help to continue to mentor some of the younger DBs in that room. Yeah, very interesting, especially, I mean, you started as the numbers guy, Josh. You're you're so much more than that, just so you know. I appreciate um, that. <laughs> but you look at the the average annual value, and you know, Akeem Hicks was up there, eight million. Julio was six million. And then you look at Logan Ryan, barely 1.2 million. And same with Keanu Neal, right? Or pretty much, I think almost the exact same, if not pretty close, with mm-hmm. 1.2 million. So, you know, you're talking about uh, with, with the four players you mentioned, I would almost split it in half and say Julio and Hicks, the Bucks are in a tough financial situation. Maybe get rid of them. I like what they had with Logan Ryan. I think Keanu Neal at the beginning of the year is a little bit of, eh, not exactly sure what's going on here. He had a roughing the passer penalty, I believe, in week two. But when he got the playing time, because the secondary just drops like flies over the last two seasons, when he finally got that playing time, I thought he was a lot more solid midway through the year, and then the safeties got healthy, and he didn't really have a role on this team outside of special teams. So I think depth-wise, for the money that the Bucks paid him, I think it would be a great idea to bring back Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal, depending on what they what else they want to do at safety. Now, where it changes a little bit is what if Tom Brady returns to Tampa Bay? Because if you get rid of, especially someone like Akeem Hicks, who only had one sack, but I think was very helpful stopping the run. You know, you can look at all the stats with when Vita Vey and Akeem Hicks are in the game together, like the Bucs did this, this, and this, and they allowed 120 plus yards when one of them was out. If you have Tom Brady returning, it's all in for probably one last time, one last ride, as they say. So Adam, I'll ask you, if Tom Brady does return, does that change your opinion on of these veteran guys who you would bring back and who you wouldn't keep? Yeah, uh, definitely. I think it changes the point, not just on the four free agents that were that were mentioned in that report, but all of the free agents. Going back to Tuesday when you guys were mentioning Levante David and Jamil Dean, I feel like if Brady were to come back to the box for another season, he's able to restructure his deal. The team saves like seventeen million, I believe. Josh pointed out having that yeah, right. money for an extension for Dean, I think that'd be very possible. And bringing back David, whether it's like eight mil, 10 mil, something like that. And then just the impact that Logan Ryan had on the defense in terms of communication and also 
being a part of the teams that Brady played on in New England. I think in 2014, they won the Super Bowl together. Just having that relationship, I think, is huge. So if Brady comes back, it changes the dynamic of a lot of free agents. I think having three safeties as free agents, they need to bring back at least two of them, one or two of them, whether it's Mike Edwards and Logan Ryan. They need to have have bodies like in the in the back. So yeah, yeah. Just to that point, I think it changes the whole dynamic. I'm glad you brought up Mike Edwards because I'm curious what your guys' thoughts about Edwards. Is there a market for him? I know we all like Mike Edwards. He's a good guy to talk to in the locker room, but that's not enough just to keep a guy on a team. Josh, I'll start with you. What would you do with Mike Edwards in terms of what type of contract would you give him, or would you just say, "Hey, we'll see." what offers he gets, and then we'll make our next move based on that. Um, with the safety position, and especially with Edwards having A, you know, this was his first year as really kind of a starter. Um, yeah. And then with that said, his ball skills seem to diminish a decent amount from when he was a part-time player. Um, I, I would let him go to the market and see what is out there, um, to be honest. Now, that's not to say I wouldn't want to bring him back, but I don't want to overpay on trying to bring him in and get out ahead of the market. Um, you look at what the player he replaced last year, Jordan Whitehead, signed a um, two-year contract that was for, I want to say, $14.5 million, putting his annual yes. average value at, at about seven and a quarter. You know, Based on that, for me, Mike Edwards, the valuation would be somewhere around four and a half to $5 million. So, And I wouldn't want to go over that. And I think Mike is going to try for more than that. And so that's where, again, I kind of let him go to market. Um, the Bucks did that last year with Carlton Davis, and it worked out well for them, where he got less with them than what most people were projecting, myself included. Um, and I think that the same thing could happen with Mike Edwards this year. The other thing is a lot of teams have proven you can find decent safety help on the free agent market at fairly economical prices. Um, and, you know, Logan Ryan himself was kind of a, a uh, showing that this past year when he was on the field, pretty high level of play for the league minimum. So for all those reasons, I wouldn't put Mike Edwards high up on the priority scale in terms of having to lock him down before free agency starts. Adam, curious to think what you think about um, Mike Edwards in terms of returning to the Bucks. Yeah. So I think Mike Edwards, he's a solid starter, but he's probably not the biggest fish to fry in terms of like the Bucks free agent free agents that all that they have like 27 of them as you mentioned um so i think maybe like a one year five million five million dollar deal or two years for 12 million something like in that ballpark is reasonable but going beyond that point to like eclipse jordan whitehead and the amount that he got i don't know i don't see that happening but they need him back like if they can get him back in the ballpark of maybe like five, six mil, or also uh, SMB. Uh, mm. We mentioned Sean Murphy Bunting. If he, if we got him back at like the same price, like five million, six million, I could see that happening. But I don't. Sean Murphy him. Bunting at, at five million. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I would say so. I, I think you are overvaluing him by quite a bit. Although I'm sure his agent will clip this and make sure he's playing it on a loop for teams. I just I think, think uh, SM. Sorry, go ahead. I think like an, another guy, Trey Waynes. He signed for like five million with like the Bengals, and he was just like a bounce back guy, and he was battling injuries a lot. So I don't know. I thought five million would be reasonable. So I think SMB. We talked about him yesterday because we talked a lot about Jamel Dean as well. And SMB, I think what he has going for him is when he got that starting playing time. Granted, it was because other players were injured, but when he started for a majority of it. He was pretty solid, and you know he he had his trip ups here and there, and then towards the end of the season, kind of sliding down, slid downhill again. But I think in this world of what have you done for me lately, you look at Sean Murphy Bunting and say, all right, he kind of turned it around a little bit. He had an interception off of Patrick Mahomes. Not everybody can really go and do that. I think a really good example is actually someone that currently plays for the Bucks right now, but uh, Carl Nassib. Speaking of Carl's. When Carl Nassib on his first stint with the Bucks, he got that big contract from the – were they Vegas by that time? I think they were the Vegas Raiders. Or maybe Oakland for one year. Then Vegas, It doesn't matter. He got the contract by the Raiders. And the Bucks were like, 
hey, great for you, Carl. We're not going to pay that. There could always be that team that might overpay for someone like Sean Murphy and Bunting and goes, well, he had that good run a couple seasons ago in the playoffs. Maybe you can kind of tap that potential out of him. I want to talk about the outside linebackers as well. I'll have a story coming out uh, over the next couple of days. There's also another extremely polarizing figure in the Bucks community, a player that's been on this team, won a championship with this team that we did not talk about the other day when we did this podcast. Who am I talking about, you ask? Find out after I tell you guys about the newest Celsius energy drink, the Fantasy Vibe. It is absolutely fantastic. We love that Celsius. It's coming out with new flavors. You know they already have a ton. But make sure you go to your local bodega and get the Fantasy Vibe. Also, the Sparkling Lemon Lime. Celsius Energy Drinks, seven essential vitamins, zero sugar or preservatives, and it gives you that essential energy to get you through your day. Don't got to worry about a post-energy drink crash or those jitters that you might have with another product. It's all fantastic and delicious. Hashtag Celsius Live Fit. Hashtag Celsius Energy. All right. This player that I'm talking about is actually sponsored by Celsius and I believe still is. Scotty Miller is a pending free agent this year. And people love Scotty Miller. And he will always have a place in Buccaneers history, whether he's back this season, whether he goes to a new team. He will always have a place in Buccaneer history because of that touchdown catch that he had against your Green Bay Packers had him in the NFC Championship game in 2020 at halftime. One of the most iconic plays in Bucs history. There's, there's no denying that. It's one of the best plays ever. But since then, Scotty hasn't had too many opportunities as a receiver outside of, ironically, the Packers came this year when Mike Evans was suspended and Chris Godwin was injured. And I don't remember if Julio, I think Julio was injured as well. So Scotty played, didn't do a ton there, pretty much had a special teams role. And, you know, and now Devin Tompkins comes in and he's the other speedy guy who got a little more opportunities even at the end of the year with that you know last game of the season against the Falcons it was Devin Tompkins that was doing his thing not really Scotty Miller so Adam what would you do if you're Jason Light what are you doing with Scotty Miller you just had to bring up that play I remember watching that with my cheese hat on and just seeing (laughs) Kevin King blow that coverage uh, it was brutal Um, (laughs) but if I was the Bucks and Scotty Miller is sitting there as a free agent I don't know if I bring him back for more than like the veteran minimum or maybe like two, maybe two million. Uh, th- there's just so many more options out there in terms of receivers. I feel like they need to overhaul the receiver room o- outside of Evans, Godwin, and Gage. I think they should bring back Gage, maybe restructure his deal. Besides that, it's Devin Tompkins and who else? So in terms of the draft and maybe finding somebody cheaper in free agency, somebody younger, the only appeal that... Uh, Miller brings is his speed and that dynamic. So if Brady comes back and he wants a guy that he's had chemistry with and big plays in the past, maybe similar to what we've seen with uh, Rashad Perryman and the fact that he stuck around uh, through training camp, maybe they bring him back, but not, not for like a big deal. Right. Josh, do you think Scotty can be somewhat like salvageable? For example, his first couple of years with the Bucks, especially that 2020 season when Tom Brady gets there, you know, he had the touchdown against the Packers that we just talked about, but he had the big touchdown against the Raiders. And Scotty was a legitimate deep threat. I mean, there was a point in the 2020 season, John Ledger spoke about this when we had Scotty Miller on the show. There's a point, I think, like a quarter of the way, halfway through the season, Scotty, halfway through, Scotty led the Bucks in receiving yards. I will say that again. Halfway through the 2020 season, Scotty led the Bucks in receiving yards. And I would never compare him to one of the best deep threats of all time in Deshaun Jackson. But he was the Deshaun Jackson deep threat that I don't want to say the Bucs have been looking for because they have Deshaun Jackson as well. <laughs> but he filled that role for the Bucs, specifically in that 2020 season. And they've never really been able to capture that again. And Josh, you wrote a story about Scotty earlier in the season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, do you think Scotty can kind of 
regenerate what he did uh, in early in his career? Yeah. Um, I, if I'm bringing Scotty back, it's it's not with a guaranteed roster spot. And to Adam's point, I think, you know, it, it's for a very small contract, maybe a small signing bonus. Um, you had posted a comment there, I think, when Adam was talking about how somebody said how Byron didn't use Scotty properly. And, and I wanted to come back to that because I, I, I agree and I disagree. In terms of the routes he was being asked to run, most of the time I think Scotty was used correctly. You know, just deep posts, go routes, comebacks, things like that. Um, where I think the opportunity is, looking back on kind of Scotty, the highlights of his career with the Bucks, even going to, um, just to really rub it in on Adam, that catch against Green Bay, um, they were from a lot more spread looks. And I think that if the new offensive coordinator wants to run more spread looks, up-tempo offense, that type of thing, I think Scotty becomes a much more viable option because you can kind of move him around a little bit and you can find those mismatches. He'll get a few. Doesn't mean he's going to get one every time, but eventually he's going to line up against somebody's third or fourth DB, and that's where he can really shine on those, those deep routes. Do I think he's a one, a two, or even a three? Not really. I think he's a really great number four receiver who can have some highlight plays. And uh, if you bring him back with that, that kind of mindset and for that kind of cost, yeah, it, it's fine. He's good depth for a receive, receiving room. I'm with you there. I, I think I think you guys both said it very well that Scotty should get an invite to the team next season, but he's going to have to earn his way during training camp if he wants to get a spot on uh, this year's roster. And I do think, as you said, Adam, the wide receiver room pretty much needs an overhaul. You know you're going to have Mike and Chris, but just in terms of speed, they need more speed. They have they have a need for speed. And um, Vin Diesel's not coming to this team. The Rock's not coming to this team. So, you know, they need just talent that can go from edge to edge. So I absolutely uh, agree with that in that sentiment. And they're probably going to go with the wide receiver. Um, I'm, I don't want to give away too much, but just pay attention to Scott's mock draft that's coming up this weekend. I think you guys will be really interested in what he has to say, especially when it comes to wide receiver and accumulating speed for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I want to talk more about free agency. We did get this comment. We appreciate everybody in the chat right now. Uh, please subscribe to Peter Report TV if you're not already doing so. We're over 10K. and We can't thank everybody enough for that. And now we're on the road to 11K. Um, and we couldn't do it without you guys with also great comments. So Bucks Basement says, are you guys going to talk about the Jeff Darlington report? I think it's basically what Scott said. It makes me think Brady is coming back. Also, Gronk said Brady would pick the Bucks. I didn't see the part about Gronk. Um, I did see the video from Jeff Darlington. It was very good. It was like dramatic. It was a three-minute video about uh, how do you put the fire out when you're the one that has to extinguish it? <laughs> Something like that. It, it was a good line. I was like, ooh, that's, uh, you know, you're that's the one Oscar. holding the match. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, ah, that's, that's Oscar worthy. But Darlington, in part of the video, pretty much said that does Brady want to go somewhere else or does he want to be the solution to the problem that was the Bucs last season going eight and nine, eight and 10 with, with the playoff loss? So I thought it was really good. But as he said, Scott kind of already talked about this a lot. We've talked about it on pewterreport.com. So I don't think it was necessarily anything groundbreaking, but I guess I'll ask you guys this, Adam, I'll start with you. Is the Bucs still the best destination for the for Tom Brady? Like, Brady's going to have a couple of options, but it still feels like Tampa Bay, forget all the other noise and sponsorship deals and partial ownership deals. Coming back to Tampa Bay is the best route for Tom Brady, is it not? It, it just makes the most sense on paper. Uh, like, next year on the West Coast, do you see San Francisco going out of their way to – give him a large contract when they have extensions due for uh, Nick Bosa on, on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know if they, they do that, especially when they have two young quarterbacks kind of mentioned it with Josh earlier and Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. Those are both options next season for him to start. And then you have Las Vegas. Will they go in the direction of a younger quarterback? They probably should because they have a lot of holes on their team. They tried going really top heavy on offense this past season. They have Devonte Adams. 
They have Josh Jacobs. They'll probably bring back either on the franchise tag or a bigger contract. So on the offensive side of the ball, they'd be fine. But there's just so many holes on defense, even the offensive line. That, so that doesn't really make a lot of sense. The report of him being in Miami this week, his kids will be in Miami regardless. Right. That was have- so frustrating. <laughs> I like I I didn't say too much. I didn't say anything about it on social media, but it is kind of annoying. It's like the guy's checking yeah. out his kid's school. I get like you want to take a picture of him or whatever, but couldn't you just ask him for a picture with the two of you? You got to throw the phone in his face and be like, are you going to the Dolphins? When he's not going to answer right. it anyway. I don't know. That's just kind of annoying. And then, so the, the, and then the creepy, like, videoing it. Like, it, it's yeah. not a picture. Like, it was looking away and coming straight back. Straight up video, was, yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to well, – like, was it a kid? Because if, if that's the case, and it's like, all right, like, kids do silly things. I'm not going to get crazy mad about that. But if it was, like, an adult or something, like, that's yeah. kind of messed up. So I with the Dolphins and and like everything that happened last year, I don't see him going to Miami. And they seem like Tua's the long-term answer there. And maybe New York. I know Aaron Rodgers is rumored to go to the Jets. Maybe they yeah. look for a veteran quarterback, Jimmy we're just G, really, Derek Carr. We're just really putting the knife into your heart tonight, Adam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crushing losses in 2020. Your franchise quarterback for over a decade is going to my team, so you're never going to hear the end of it. Uh, Let's talk more about I Kevin really King. wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, Kevin, Kevin King, King, too. Put him in the Bucks ring of honor. Well, you know, it's funny. You mentioned Kevin King and just kind of going back. I know I'm getting way off topic, but that would be more That's of the fine. comp for SMB, I think, on the open market was Kevin King coming off of his rookie contract. He went back to Green Bay on a one-year prove-it deal. And I think that's where you'll see SMB much closer to, like, the, the league minimum. Um, but to answer kind of your question, Matt, I, I think it, it requires some qualifications. So, like, if you're talking about the totality of everything, his relationship with the Glazers – um, with Todd Bowles and everything like that. Yeah, I would say Tampa Bay probably still is number one thing. If you're just talking straight football and keeping the context of like the Dolphins have already publicly committed to Tua, uh, I think the Jets would probably be the the best destination for them. It's a pretty complete roster. Um, they had a pretty decent offensive line last year, despite a historic number of injuries to that unit. Yeah, was like, so they, many injuries. they were pulling dudes off the street who were playing well uh, on the offensive line, which was really impressive. They were down to like their fourth or fifth o- offensive tackle and still getting decent play out of it. Um, so you got that. You got a great core of playmakers, and I don't have to tell you this being a Jets fan, yeah. but Garrett Wilson, um, uh, Baby Elijah Boy Moore. Yeah. <laughs> um, Corey Davis. Exactly. You've got some really great playmakers. Mar- and then you've got a really good defense buoyed by a fantastic defensive mind. So I think all of that you would have, I would put the Jets number one um, because the Bucks, as of right now, have a lot more holes on their roster than the Jets do. I like, I like that word buoyed and not using it in a nautical term. Like that, <laughs> that's, that, that was pretty good. You're Thanks. using it a, a nautical term in a non nautical way about an aeronautical team. So yeah. kind of cool. Kind of <laughs> that's amazing that you put all that together that quick. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so. host of the show, you got to be able to change pretty quickly. Speaking of change, we got a $5 super chat from Lawrence. Thank you, Lawrence, for the super chat. You super chatted us the other day. So thank you so much for watching the show. They say, what do you think is the likelihood of the Bucks targeting left tackle in the upcoming draft if one of the top three tackles are in draft or trade range this is a good question and a very 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 slippery slope because it kind of goes to the domino effect that scott reynolds wrote about that we talked about on this podcast because if they don't re-sign levante david they are probably going to have to go with a linebacker early in a bad linebacker class if they don't re-sign jamel dean they are probably going to have to find a corner in this draft, which is a much stronger cornerback draft. Um, do they trust Donovan Smith for longer than this season? He's going into the last year of his deal. He had a bad season last year, but he was great the two years before that. Was that just a down year and he's going to bounce back this season, or is that a sign of things to come? That is what Jason Light and the rest of the Bucks front office are going to have to figure out. What I will say is they are obviously going to do their due diligence. And I think you have to at least look at left tackle 
And again, the end all be all Tom Brady. If Tom Brady is back, do you, <laughs> you know, you probably stick with Donovan Smith. If it's a rookie quarterback or Kyle Trask, maybe you roll the dice at left tackle. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I think that they could. Um, I think the one thing that, that the commenter mentioned there is, is trading up. I don't think that's very likely for a couple of reasons. Um, the biggest being there are so many needs that the team has. Anytime you're trading up, you're giving up the opportunity to fill something else. Even if it's just from a depth perspective, when you consider where the Bucks are from a cap perspective, which they can do things with the cap, but they are as of right now, the second most over the cap team in the league. Um, that means that whatever they can do, there are 30 other teams that can do the same thing and actually a little bit more. Right. Um, so I don't think that there's a trade up for that reason. The other is um, Jason light has historically not traded up. I think the first time he's done that and kind of give, well, he's done it a few times, but he doesn't like doing it. He's not a big trade up guy, especially in the first round. So I think it's unlikely for him to do that to get one of those tackles. I think that the Bucks are in a unique position where they're at at pick 19 and with as many needs as they currently have, they're in a position where tackle will probably be in play for them along with corner, along with linebacker, along with safety. They just, they have so many open opportunities and there's a, there's value to that because it prevents you from necessarily reaching like a team that only has one or two open spot, you know, uh, major holes, if you will. Um, and now you're like, okay, we can either grab a guy who's superfluous or we can reach for a guy in a position of need. And so I, I from a very strange perspective, I kind of like where the bucks are at in terms of how many needs they have. It's going to prevent them from necessarily reaching for somebody that um, maybe isn't somebody who should go at pick 19. Adam, is Josh's funny. vocabulary. I was about to say another SAT <laughs> word with superfluous. Yeah. There was one word. Um, you know, I hate the freaking word fathom because that was the buzzword of like, this is an SAT word. It just means think. <laughs> Can you fathom the Bucks trading up in the draft? Like, it's just another word from think. You're not the first person that thought of it. You're not that freaking special. Come up with a different SAT word like superfluous. So thank you for – I hate the damn word fathom. <laughs> um, Adam, it, it was funny. It, it reminded me like when we were in the Bucks, uh media room this year, and I was kind of telling you about how we cover the draft and certain things, and we were looking at like all the players that the Bucks draft last year, and half of them <laughs> were guys that they traded for or traded back and ended up with them. So – Jason Light is not afraid to pull the trigger on a trade. He's done it multiple times. I believe they traded back when they drafted Vita Vea. And um, so they, they've definitely done it before. Logan Hall this year, they didn't have a first-round pick. He was the first pick of the second round. So I'm sure the Bucs will listen to deals. And remember, they traded up one spot to get Tristan Wirfs. They moved up one spot, but damn, it was well worth it i'm not even gonna go with a pun saying was it worth it it was i'm not gonna go there i'm not gonna say that it was worth it um i think the problem also it's not necessarily a problem but the bucks have to decide early on and we talked about this before adam that maybe just maybe there's that solution of just moving tristan Wirfs from right tackle to left tackle they almost have to decide on that quickly you can't just like draft the left tackle and then be like, you know what? First day of uh, OTAs, we're just going to throw Tristan in there. Rookie, <laughs> you learn the offense. We're going to have Tristan play left tackle. And then we're going to ask you to play a position that you haven't played before. Um, so, I mean, we talked about Tristan Wirfs moving to left tackle. Adam, would that be your number one move? Or would you say, let's ride it out with Donovan Smith for one more year and put left tackle on the back burner? Or... Would you say cut Donovan Smith and look at left tackles this year? Like you said before, it really is a slippery slope for the Bucs because there are different paths they can take in terms of what they do at left tackle and how it corresponds with the right tackle. My number one option would be moving Wirfs to left tackle and at least seeing what you have. It's like moving a first baseman to third base. Can he play third yeah. base? 
if, if he can do it and he can do it at a pro bowl level still for sure because left tackle the value there compared to right tackle josh josh what do you uh, I'm just you, you were saying first to third. That's only really been done once with Chipper Jones. A successful. Freddie Freeman did it. Or Freddie Freeman. That's what I meant from the Braves. Yeah. Uh, the other way, third to first happens all the time, but first yeah. to third, that's only yeah. happened once. I was like, wow, that's a big one. So sorry, but please continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But just saying that and seeing if Donovan Smith were to go, they would save like nine million in cap space they could allocate that money elsewhere. I don't think Donovan Smith at this point is worth his contract. If he's willing to take a pay cut or if they can restructure it in a way where the Bucks save money down the line, then for sure. Otherwise, like the top three tackles, tackle is a position oftentimes overdrafted. They reach, like there's guys that are mocked 50 and they get drafted 15 just because of the need and how much value it has in, in football. So for the Bucks, I don't think they're going to trade up for a guy with the mid round spots that they would be trading, they got a lot of depth in like the fourth round this year. They had Kate Otten, Rashad white and MVP Jay Camarda. They were all mid to late round picks. So for them to give up those assets to acquire like a tackle, and there's so many more needs, we can kind of dive into the cornerback position. You did a great report on Caillou blue Kelly. Is it? Mm -hmm. Yep. And there's yes. so many, cornerbacks with length that the Bucks could target. So I see him going that direction. Let's talk about that soon. We also have a super chat to get to. You know, you talked about baseball players can move positions in their own sport. NFL players can move positions in their own sport. But can they bowl? The only way to find that out is if they go to pin chasers. There are multiple locations. You see East Pasco, Zephyr Hills, Midtown, uh, and veterans. Uh, it's a great night out with friends and family. The food's very underrated. They have great deals, like literally every single night. You show up to Pin Chasers, and there is a deal that will work for you. They have all-you-can-eat pizza, all-you-can-bowl, a dollar beers. They got brunch on the weekend. So, like I said, it's a fun night out with friends and family. If you have a child and want to host their birthday party there, they also have an arcade area. So the kids can bowl, play some video games. Uh, for the parents that are waiting there, they also have uh, a bar with full stocks beer, liquor, and wine. So like I said, something there for everybody. Go to pinchasers.net to reserve a lane or book a party if you want to have a corporate outing at there as well. Pinchasers.net, ton of great deals. Check it out today. Let's get to that super chat from, I believe it was Kenneth. Thank you, Kenneth, for the super chat. How about for yeah, sorry, blah, 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 blah. let's start that again. We're gonna rewind it. Kenneth with the 499 super chat. Thank you, Kenneth. How about wide receiver in the first round? The need to get faster at the position is there. I'm absolutely with you. I have a name in mind, but I don't want to say it because you might be reading about it tomorrow or over <laughs> the weekend. But there is one wide receiver specifically that if the Bucks go with this guy in the first round he would be the player that the Bucks would take. But I think we're all in, a, in agreement, guys, if one of you guys wants to chime in. They have to get faster. We talked earlier. And I do think you want to keep Russell Gage or not, either way, I think drafting a wide receiver earlier is the right move. Remember, Joe Johnson, the late-round pick. Um, what's his name? They just cut him this year. Jalen Darden, Darden was a late-round mm -hmm. pick. Yeah, Jalen Darden was a late-round pick. Scotty Miller was a six-round pick. You know, I, I think it's time again for them to take an early wide receiver, whether or not Russell Gage is there. Yeah, I, I think a couple things. So um, it's it's always good to look not just about this upcoming year, but the year following. So as of right now, you look at the 2024 roster and you look at that wide receiver room, Mike Evans is not under contract for 2024. Chris Godwin and Russell Gage would be entering the last years of their deals. And Devin Tompkins at that point, I don't think he got a vested year for this year based on um, when they promoted him. So he would be in year two. He wouldn't be quite a uh, restricted free agent yet. So yeah, there's a, a huge need at wide receiver. The one thing I would say, and I haven't gotten into wide receiver evaluations yet myself, but just from what I've heard from the draft community, um, there's a lot of value in wide receiver in rounds two and three. There's not quite the top end talent that you've seen of the last few years 
your Jamar uh, Chases, your Justin Jeffersons, uh, Devonta Smiths, those types of guys. So at 19, maybe there's a guy there. He might be the first wide receiver off the board, and maybe you take the you know the cream of the crop there. Um, but I think that there's going to be quite a few guys at 50 who may be a really good um, deal at that point. The other thing, just kind of going back to the offensive tackle, I'm going to trigger some people here, but I was originally just opposed to moving Wirfs from right to left, but I'm coming around on it with the caveat that somebody played really well at right tackle in week 18. He was a second round pick. Maybe you put Luke Gedeke back at his original position where he came out of central Michigan and you see a much better player. Somebody who just, you know, some guys just don't move right to left very well. Some guys don't move outside to inside very well. There's some questions about his arm length, but like I said, he played very well week 18 as a right tackle. And maybe that's your tackle duo going forward with Wirfs on the left side, get a key on the right and uh, cue the comments telling me I'm out of my damn mind. I kind of like that idea. Cause let's remember it is going to be a crowded room at the guard position, Adam, because think about yeah. it. Ryan Jensen's coming back at center. And we want to get to Mopar's uh, super chat as well. But Ryan Jensen is coming back at center. So that leaves Robert Hainsey open with availability. You have Nick Leverett, who's an exclusive rights free agent. So he's back with the Bucks. No worries there. And then you also have Aaron Stinney, who is a pending free agent. But remember, he just had a season-ending injury in the preseason. I don't know how big his market will be. I can totally see him as a guy that will be at training camp in a Tampa Bay Bucks uniform coming up this season. And he was the starting guard when the Bucs won the Super Bowl. So he clearly, it doesn't mean you automatically give him the starting role, but you know that he can get the job done as a starter. So that's that's already a busy crowd right there at left guard. If you want to throw Gedeke in the mix as well, that's totally fine. But why not help out at depth at tackle? Let's remember Josh Wells. He's going to be out for a long time. He's a pending free agent too. So, yeah, you're pretty strong at guard, but you're a little bit weaker at tackle before the draft and free agency. So, uh, Adam, what do you think about that? I actually kind of like the idea of putting Gedeke at right tackle just based on the fact that left guard, because you have left tackle, if you move Worfs there, that's solidified. Center, right guard, they're solidified. So you have three guards competing for one guard spot. If you add Gedeke, you make it four. That's probably not the best way to allocate players. So if you move Gedeke over to right tackle, maybe bring in a cheap veteran to compete with him, or even bring back Josh Wells. I think that makes a lot of sense. The Bucks invested a high draft pick in Gedeke because they liked him. He's been on a crazy journey going from Wisconsin Stevens Point to Central Michigan to coming down here in Tampa, playing with the Bucks, playing with Tom Brady. He he's learned a lot. And in year two, there will probably be some growth behind the scenes getting stronger and if he moves back to his natural position he can play better than he did this season yeah he pretty much took the same route as you following in your footsteps adam so you must feel pretty honored want to get to the super chat from mopar buck thank you mopar for the 1999 super chat he says cut 76 lol talking about don smith save money move worfs but this need to be catered trenches o-line slash d-line Maybe a special team punt return specialist late rounds, but Jason Light has to hit with this draft. Does it have to be completely dedicated to offensive and defensive line? I don't necessarily say it has to because, again, the offensive line outside of what to do with Donovan Smith, you pretty much have your offensive line set to go for next year. You just have, it's improving because you have Ryan Jensen in at center and you're expecting better play calling, which will help out the offensive line. Now the defensive line, I think is another story because you have Vita Bea and Logan Hall, and that's about it. And Logan Hall kind of got roughed up a little bit, especially the further, like Logan Hall was actually better earlier in his rookie season and then tapered off as the season went on. So defensive line, I I definitely think that they have to address. And I don't want to keep hammering home the the same sentiment, but Jamel Dean, 
they might have to draft corner Levante. They might have to draft inside linebackers. So until free agency hits, we're not really going to know what exactly is the need that Tampa Bay has going into the NFL draft. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I think um, you can't ignore the secondary. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about positional value, right? And so I think the kind of the what five big ones are quarterback, um, wide receiver, offensive tackle, edge rusher, and cornerback, right? And so the Bucks have needs at a few of those, right? Quarterback, obviously, um, until Brady makes his decision. We talked about Donovan Smith, and, and if he goes, what are the options? I think you probably do have to draft a tackle somewhere in the first four rounds, no matter what. Even if you slide Werfs over, even if you kick Gedeke to right tackle, you still need depth there. And lots of teams saw. I mean, last year was kind of a historic year for teams just losing tackles. The Baltimore Ravens, the New York Jets, the Bucks were all working on like fourth mm. tackles in their starting lineups. Um, edge rusher is still an opportunity because Shaq Barrett coming back from an Achilles injury. There's no yes. telling what um, kind of play you're going to get from him year one. And while, again, I'm probably the biggest Joe Tryon Shoyinka truther out there in Bucks uh, in the Bucks Twitter sphere, um, he's still not a, a bona fide one, right? And depth gets pretty thin. Anthony Nelson and uh, Carl Nassib are both impending free agents. So, and then again, the cornerback room, as of right now, Carlton Davis and Zion McCollum are your starters. So. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of holes across the roster for you to say, we're just going to invest in these two rooms, especially one room that's actually got a decent amount of depth. So I, I would be in favor of more spreading the chips across and, and hitting some of the more high value positions. I want to expand a little bit further about outside linebacker and something specific Todd Bowles had to say about the pass rush is specifically at outside linebacker um, when he had his last press conference before, once the season was done. Uh, but first, let's talk a little bit about underdog fantasy. Uh, obviously, you can do it with football, but don't just limit yourself to football. You can also do it for the UFC, basketball, baseball season when baseball comes back, the NHL, which is going on right now, and golf. So, a number of different sports you can get into. It's obviously so much fun when you get some action in on the NFL. It's the easiest way to do that with Underdog Fantasy and their Pick'em games and their Rivals games. So easy action with Underdog, their Pick'em and Rival. You just pick an over-under on your favorite or least favorite player stats. You win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your pick of slip, get every pick right, and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the promo code Pewter, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog Fantasy. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. So one more time, use that promo code Pewter and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 Underdog fancy so Todd Bowles had some things to say about the pass rush and I'm paraphrasing most of it but he said it was good but it wasn't great it wasn't good enough and he said their numbers were around the same as they were the past couple of seasons but there was a number of guys getting different sacks and it was pretty much Todd Bowles way of saying I had to dial up exotic blitzes and schemes and that's how we got to that sack total it wasn't really you know, the four-man pass rush getting after the quarterback. So I looked it up. Uh, in 2020, the year the Bucks won the Super Bowl, they had 48 sacks. The leader that year was JPP with nine, and Shaq Barrett was right behind him with eight. In 2021, they had 47 sacks, so right on pace, one less. Shaq Barrett led the team with 10 sacks. Then you look at this season, they had 45 sacks, and they were ten, they were ninth. Tie for, sorry, they were tied for seventh in the league with the 45 stacks. So they got to the quarterback, all right? They're, they're within the top 10. Now, the leader of, for the, in sacks for the Bucs for that season was Vita Vea with six and a half. And that's another thing that Todd Bowles said was when your nose tackle is leading your team in sacks, that's probably not a good sign. And I also looked it up. That was the lowest amount of sacks that a team leader had in sacks for the Bucs 
since 2017 when Gerald McCoy had six sacks. So they were not getting that production from their edge rushers and their outside linebackers, which, uh, which you know, Todd Bowles called the money position. Anthony Nelson was tied for second on the team with Devin White with five and a half for the 2022 season. So it's quite interesting going into this offseason because, yes, you want Anthony Nelson back. You want Carl Nassib back. Todd Bowles talked about it. But you're talking about an entire group that really, I guess some guys didn't live up to expectations. Or maybe did they, but they still struggled. So, Adam, I'll ask you, should they bring Anthony Nelson back? Should they bring Carl Nassib back? Or is it better to just go in a completely different direction? I'm not going to ask you to look at what edge rusher they could bring in right now because it's so early in free agency. But they're still in the top 10 in sacks. They're getting after the quarterback. You're not getting it from the outside linebackers, but at the same time, they're also kind of playing well, a couple of them. It's a very convoluted situation. It is. And I see them bringing back Nassib. I thought that Nassib played really well in a limited role after coming back this season. So he's definitely an option and somebody that can be cheap, maybe like affordable, $3 million a year, something in that ballpark. As long as Anthony Nelson isn't overpaid based on what he did in the second half of the season, the Bucs will probably let him test the market and see what he's worth. If he finds a better deal elsewhere, if he gets a multi-year deal, he's probably leaving. He Edge rushers, they're a hot commodity when they hit free agency, yeah. much like left tackles when they hit free agency, they get paid more than they are probably worth, but I could see him bringing back Nassib, maybe bringing in somebody through the draft early mid rounds and then getting a guy in free agency. It is too early right now to say who that could be or who their targets are, but that's kind of the the picture and can't forget that Shaq Barrett, he'll be back at some point next season. So as long as they fill in the gap and have a one and two for like the first half of the season, the Bucks will get Shaq Barrett back in the second half. I just, like, I'm not banking on Shaq Barrett doing anything. I think that's a yeah. huge risk. To just say Shaq's going to be the same Shaq that he was in 2019 when he got 19 and a half sacks, when he was all over the place going after Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl during the 2020 season and then getting double digits in 2021. I just, I'm sorry. I just don't see it happening. I hope Shaq Barrett bounces back. I just don't totally see it. So, Josh, uh, what do you think with this situation? Yeah, I think going back to Bowles' comments, what's interesting is he actually blitzed less this year than he did in years previous. Now, that's not to say that he wasn't being very truthful when he said he had to scheme those pressures um, because he very much did. And where there was less blitzing, there was more simulated pressure um, where he was bringing, yes. you know, what looked like a blitz and he was dropping guys and, you know, all the things that uh, Bowles does that's very creative at this front seven. The problem was that he wasn't getting consistent pressure from his front four, um, similar to, say, the, the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. In that game, he rarely blitzed, but the front four were just able to get pressure on Mahomes almost on a consistently you know, snap-to-snap basis. And when he would go to four, a four-man pass rush, a traditional four-man pass rush in 2022 – it was very inconsistent in terms of getting the pressure. Vita Vea came on strong at the end of the season, but beginning of the season, there were some, some issues with him. Um, again, JTS was, was fairly solid as a two, but when Shaq uh, Barrett went down, you didn't have a number one. But you could just rely on to get pressure on a consistent basis. They do need to invest in their pass rush, and I would say both in terms of on the edge at the outside linebacker position as well as the interior. Um, Nacho, Will Golston, Akeem Hicks, yeah, Lo- I, all of those guys, solid run stuffers. Um, uh, Deidre Sanat, right? All of those guys, but not none of them were giving anything close to a decent amount of pressure up the middle in a quarterback space. Yeah, Vito was was solid and and will continue to I, I project to be con- continue to be solid, but you've got to get somebody next to him who you can count on. And you've got to create, bolster the depth on the edge. Absolutely. They are going to need a lot of help right there. Hey, earlier in the show, you heard me talk about the fantasy vibe, uh, the newest drink from Celsius. Let's not forget about the Arctic vibe, peach and tropical vibes, and all the other flavors that Celsius has to offer. Arctic vibe, I think, probably 
can get. But uh, make sure you check it out. Uh, all the different flavors that they have, as you see, uh, sparkling wild berry, sparkling watermelon, uh, cucumber lime. So a lot of awesome flavors. Like I said, Arctic Five, probably my favorite out of all of them. If you want to know where to get a Celsius energy drink, uh, punch in your address on the store locator on the Celsius website. And it will let you know where you could find one at your local Walmart, Target, convenience store, gas station, uh, King Cullen, Walbaums, places like that, and your local bodega. And once you keep going to your bodega and you're like, I love you, bodega. I love going there, picking up all my fancy treats, all my snacks and all that good stuff. And I love Celsius so much. I need more of it. That's when you go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save, and you will... Uh, start getting it in bulk. Get the Arctic or peach or tropical or get the variety pack because variety is the spice of life and you have it sent to your place of residence every week, month, quarterly, whenever you want it. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Uh, before we wrap up the show today, let's talk real quickly about Jamel Dean. And Josh, I want to hear about your prized prospect that we will be seeing at the senior bowl and in uh, draft coverage coming up. So I guess starting with Dean, I am in favor of bringing him back. Um, I think that he should be beyond Tom Brady, you know, uh, priority number one in terms of their free agency priorities. Um, he played better than Carlton Davis last year. And that's not to say that Davis played bad. Just Dean was on another level. I would have said a top 10 corner in the entire NFL was the, the level of play. And that contract's going to be very similar to what Davis signed for this past year. Um, Dean's going to have less of a track record than Davis did, but a better platform year, um, but a slightly less of a draft status as he was a third rounder where Carlton Davis was a second rounder. And as much as it shouldn't play into second contracts, draft status still does play into second contracts. So he should get about what Davis did last year. Um, and I'm in favor of it. But if the Bucks decide... They want to try and save money and they don't re-sign Dean. Um, one of the players that's kind of jumped out at me as I've gone through some defensive backs um, and prep for the senior bowl is uh, Caillou Blue Kelly. Um, and he's a cornerback out of Stanford, uh, 6'1", I want to say around 190, 200 pounds. Um, and you're talking about a guy who profiles a lot like Jamel Dean. Um, watching his tape, he's amazing in press man coverage. Very physical. He's got a strong uh, punch at the line of scrimmage. He'll knock guys off their routes. He loves to leverage the inside and push guys to the outside. Long speed to stick with dudes on, on vertical routes. Very sticky in coverage. But when he gets into zone coverage, you can see he's not as comfortable there. Um, a little less instinctive, more reactive. Um, He'll cover a little bit more on the grass than than players. Um, and he's still got some ways to some needs to develop there. That's exactly what Jamel Dean was uh, four years ago coming out of, uh, I think it was Auburn, right? Um, so very similar physical profiles, very similar in terms of play type. And the cool thing about Kelly is he's uh, an alumnus, if you will, of the Bucks. His dad played for the Bucks from 98 to, I want to say, 07, 10 years. Um, over 20 interceptions with the Bucks in his career. He's a part of that vaunted 2002-2003 Super Bowl defense. And uh, you've seen a lot of corners and, and defensive backs over the last few years who were sons of good NFL corners and defensive backs who have made a very quick transition. The Bucks saw it with Antoine Winfield Jr., J.C. Horn, um, forget, uh, Patrick Sertain, Asante J Samuel, a lot of these guys, and you hope that Kelly, you'll see the same thing, and and I think he could do well with the Bucks. Adam, your thoughts on uh, Jamel Dean? Yeah, Jamel Dean, he's a crucial free agent for the Bucks. Arguably, you said number one priority. I would say number two behind Brady. But if they don't bring him back, you have Carlton Davis and Zion McCollum in the draft. You're probably looking at getting two guys to try to mm -hmm. fill up the cornerback room. Even if you bring back Dean, I can see that as a possibility. But just having a, both outside corners like solidified and Davis and Dean for the next couple of years, that's a huge check mark off the list of team needs. 
because teams look for that for years and often they can't find corners that can mm-hmm. fill those spots as well as they did last season. And for the years to come for the next three, four years, that would be huge. And with the salary cap rising in the next couple of years, I don't think it would be a huge obstacle for them to make it happen. So Jamel Dean, he's a crucial free agent and definitely near the top of their list. Without question, he's one of the most important free agents or pending free agents that the Bucks have coming up this off season. We do have a super chat from Twisted TZ. Thank you for the $5 super chat. He filed up with a question. Uh, he wanted to ask Gardner Minshew, Jimmy G, or trade for Trey Lance if Brady doesn't return. I would be curious, depending on what the draft capital was for Trey Lance, I'd be curious just to spin the kick the tires on that. Um, if not, if you didn't want to give up any, you know, draft uh, draft picks, anything like that, and you still think you can win. I would say Jimmy G, you know, he does have a winning track record, whether you like it or not. They usually win not because of him, but he's able to keep the ship afloat. And, you know, Jimmy worked with talented players on San Francisco, Debo, Kittle. Now he'd be working with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. It kind of be like having Blaine Gabbard as your starting quarterback. So I I would go in the order of Trey Lance, Jimmy G, and then Gardner. But curious what you guys think. Adam, we'll start with you. Minshew mania, though, just having his mustache, that Uncle He's Rico awesome. kind He's of vibe. I, I like him, especially if they were to bring in Brian Johnson. I mentioned it as like an offensive yes. coordinator candidate, somebody that also worked with Kyle Trask, and he spent the past couple seasons with Gardner Minshew in Philadelphia. I think Minshew is one of the maybe top five best backup quarterbacks in football. He's very similar to Jimmy G, but relatively more like inexpensive. Jimmy G would probably want 20, 25 million. Minshew would maybe want like five to 10, some somewhere ro- along those lines. So if they brought back a lot of their free agents, I could see Minshew being an option. Trey Lance, he's intriguing. Also, maybe like a guy like Jordan Love, if the Packers were to move on from him. Interesting name to float out there, but cheaper than Lance. They have a similar tool set and being mobile quarterbacks. Same track record and not starting many games. So my list would probably be uh, Jimmy G, Minshew, and then Lance. I like it. What would you say, Josh? So I think the most recent report, and I can't verify whether this is true or not, but just something I did see would uh, Lance would cost a third rounder, and I willingly give that up for that upside. Um, So I would say Lance. um, I wouldn't say either of the other two at all. Just at that point, you roll with Kyle Trask, and you see what you have with him. And if it's not good, okay, you're picking in the top 10 the following year. You've reset your salary cap. You still have a strong core of players. And this could be a very quick kind of, um, what do they say in baseball? Uh, we're not rebuilding, we're reloading, right? Yeah. Um, and you can Bruce Arians says that a lot too. Yeah, <laughs> um, you, you could do that pretty quickly. Uh, so for me, if, you know, if, um, if Lance is available for a third or something similar to that, absolutely, let's bet on the, the upside. This is a guy who has the tools that, you know, somebody went up to the top five to get. And he hasn't disproven it. He just hasn't been available. That's the thing. Um, I, Adam, I, I like one of the options you kind of threw out there uh, unprompted, which was, you know, Jordan Love would be somebody, I, I think probably the draft capital for him would be even lower than Lance, given that he's coming up on, I want to say, the last year of his uh, original deal. Yeah. Um, and and there's just not a lot of, of, of tape out there on him. I think Green Bay is probably holding on to love because it's looking more and more likely like Rodgers is going to go. But if Don't he were ava- that. if if he were available, um, I'd be interested in a Jordan Love. So um, so I guess for me it'd be Lance Love and then Trask, and uh, and you just kind of start moving towards the future if you don't get Brady back. Right. It's like well, you have Kyle Trask on the team. You might as well use him in yeah in that yeah. type of situation. And I've seen a lot of people down on Trask, and you know he was playing with dentists. Like <laughs> you, you've got a little bit of tape on him from the, the second half of the Atlanta game. But other than that, I mean, everything you've seen is with him with third stringers in training camp and you can't evaluate a guy with that talent around him. You've got to give him an opportunity, especially based on the draft capital they've given up 
um, to see what what you've got with him. As we wrap up the show, just the last bit of news uh, about the Bucks just announced that they have finished their interview with Jim Bob Cooter. So they have officially interviewed. I want to Cliff Kingsbury, but it's Clint Kubiak. They have finished their interview with Clint Kubiak, with former Bucks Super Bowl champion Keenan McCardell, and now Jim Bob Cooter. So they have three candidates in the books, probably more to come, and there will be plenty to talk about in the offseason as those stories keep rolling out. In the meantime... Keep on the lookout, ladies and gentlemen, because we're going to the Senior Bowl on Monday. That's right. Myself, Scott Reynolds, Josh and Adam, and Bailey Adams are going as well. So Monday, we are going to be doing a Senior Bowl preview, talking about all the prospects who might be a good fit for the Bucs, who we're most excited to watch. Going to be a very fun show, live from Mobile, Alabama. And we'll be there all week from Monday to Thursday for the Senior Bowl. So our schedule next week, Monday through Thursday, we'll have a show each night. That will be at 7 o'clock Eastern. Then Thursday, we're driving back to Tampa, or in your case, Josh, Georgia. And then we will do a Senior Bowl recap show on Friday at 4 p.m. So Monday through Thursday, sorry, Monday through Wednesday at 7, and then Friday at 4 o'clock. Very excited for it. No one does draft coverage of the Bucks like PeterReport.com. So it's going to be a great time and uh, a lot of fun. So you guys should join us in the chats as well when we return for that. So in the meantime, for Josh, for Adam, I'm Matt saying thanks, everybody, for watching. Have a great Gasparella. Have a lot of fun. And we will see you on Monday for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Peace out. Enjoy your weekend. Have fun. Be safe, but have an awesome time. Out.